Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Amen. And you're listening to it on the Wind Network. Yes, that's right, Wind Network. Together, we win. They do. for joining me this evening. Um, again, we are in our third season. That is nothing but the Lord, the third season of the Irene Blog Talk radio show. To be quite honest with you, I thought that this um, this show would only maybe last one episode, uh, one year. Uh, but here we go. We're, here we are still going strong in the third season. Thank you so much for joining us um, because I know there's many, many things that you could have been doing outside of listening to the show, but I appreciate you taking the time to spend it with me, Minister Annie Bell, the host and creator of the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show. Now, don't forget, it is an outreach of Wealth Management Ministries Incorporated. We are endeavoring to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas, as well as providing awareness, prevention, and resources to the community. Um, And so this time we're highlighting this whole month the other traumas, such as domestic violence. And um, we've been talking and we've gone through so many statistics to let you know just how prevalent it is within our society and internationally. Uh, If you're on my page on Facebook, you, you know how prevalent it is that women, uh, especially women, are marginalized and and objectified. And um, within that, there's so much exploitation and and abuse. Tonight, I have with me uh, Mrs. Deborah Coleman, who is, I mean, just 18 years of service as a certified victim's advocate. I'm so proud and so excited to have her with us today as we talk more about what is going on in our communities and um, what we can do to help. So, uh, Ms. Coleman, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, you know, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, first of all, though, I always want my audience to to know who they are he- they are hearing to kind of bond with you a little bit. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the show. So please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, uh, if you would. Okay, great. Um, I'm Deborah Coleman. Originally, my family and I are from Oakland, California. My husband was in the Air Force, and that's what brought us here to Georgia. We've been in Georgia about 23 years. I've been married going on 29 years. I'm a mother and a grandmother, and I'm just excited to be able to talk to all you good people. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. You said um, your husband is in was in the Army? Was it Marine? Air Force. He's retired Air Force. Force. Okay, my brother's in the Air Force. Well, he's retired Air Force. Uh, We're both getting up there in age. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Uh, Thank God for age, because if if we're not aging, that means we're dead, you know? So I think I'm I'm proud. Proud proud of my age, honey. Um, So so, (laughs) amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get and, and start talking about, you know, what inspired you to get involved as an advocate for the ending of domestic violence? Well, actually, I'm not just an advocate for domestic violence. I'm also a victim advocate for sexual assault, elder abuse, teen dating violence, and bullying. And what inspired me is my love for people and my love of helping people. I've always been the one rooting for the underdog. And Or when I was in school, if someone was being bullied or picked on, I was always the one to stand up for that person. Wow. If we were in school, you probably would have stood up for me because um, I was bullied a lot. <laughs> so oh it's good goodness, to know yeah. that there were people out there. Even um, I know when I was being bullied in school, and I actually was, um, there was a fight that was about to go down because I had gotten so tired of being bullied by this one person. They they called her Moose. That's how tall she was and big she was. Wow. And wow. so... Um, I finally had had enough and I just kind of, um, you know, told her to leave me alone and, and stop, you know, bugging me. And um, so anyway, she got she got mad and decided she wanted to fight me at lunch. Now, oh, at that time, I mean, I'm a buck five now. So at that time, I think I was 89, maybe 85 pounds. And, oh, um, and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? But do you know that a um, the word got around that she was going to try to beat me up at, at lunchtime. And so I had some people come up and, um, you know, threaten to kick her butt if she, if she touched me ever again. <laughs> and I was so thankful. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes. And so that, that girl never bothered me again. And, um, right. you know, I was able to kind of graduate. This was middle school. So, Anyway, I, I digress way off the subject matter here, <laughs> but I just wanted to say thank you uh, for, yeah. for being an advocate even when you were young. Um, yeah. and, and, and so, and for so many different areas, I, um, and, you know, as advocates, sometimes we may not get immediate gratification um, or reward uh, for the work that we do because it's certainly heavy emotionally and mentally and sometimes physically and um but it is rewarding when we see somebody thriving um in their survival uh someone who has you know been able to turn their lives around so i i know there is some you know reward and some self-satisfaction to be in in such a um help sector like that it's very rewarding yeah yeah, yeah. So let's get into the um, talking about the abuse of um, spouses. And so we say, you know, domestic violence because we know that the domestic violence happens in um, to men as well as women, although yes, majority is women. But how can That's one good. discern the signs and clues before getting into a domestically violent relationship? Great question. Um, If you're dating someone and that person is controlling, they're easily angered, you see them hurting animals or small children or enjoying the fact that someone else has hurt a small child or an animal, they're always frustrated, they're unpredictable, they're moody, um, they want to tell you what to wear, it always has to be their way or the highway, those are red flags. Those are warning signs that you are about to enter into a relationship that's pretty much going to be one-sided, either uh, emotional abuse or psychological abuse or physical abuse. But if you encounter someone with uh, any of those symptoms or one or more, um, I would run to the nearest exit, not even go any further in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to bring up that jealousy um, well, sometimes we as women think that that is a compliment that, oh, he's Not jealous, you know, he really loves me, but it, it, it can really get out of balance quickly, wouldn't you say? 
Definitely. Um, that's actually a big sign that I'm missing mm-hmm. jealousy. Um, jealousy does not equate love because love is trust. So if you trust someone, you don't have a need to be jealous because you trust that person. So if the person you're dating is jealous, they don't want you to be around any other person, whether it's a male or a female. They don't even want you to be with your family. They want all Mm. your time. They want to monopolize everything. Um, That in itself is a very unhealthy relationship. Yes, because that's actually part of the strategy to isolate that person exactly. Um, exactly. and um, and also fulfill their own insecurities so they keep you close, keep you, you know, but again, sometimes we as women, exactly. we take that as a sign of, oh, he loves me so much, but really um, it could be a sign of, he, you know, he's going to be dominating um, your entire exactly. being. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good points that you brought up. Um, the what would make a person? And although I understand it, I still don't understand it. But what makes a person stay in abusive relationships? And then the second part to this question is, what makes them return after if they were able to get away? Okay. Well, let's go with the first part. There are many reasons why a person. Um, more than likely the woman because 80% of domestic violence cases deal with women. So there are many reasons why the woman might stay in that abusive relationship. One might be she's the homemaker. She doesn't have any money. She doesn't have any skills. She's pretty much been the one to stay home. And the abuser has been the breadwinner. So she's totally dependent upon him. And um, she has no family. She has no friends. She's embarrassed. She doesn't want to tell anyone. Um, like you mentioned earlier, he's kept her isolated, so um, she's severed all ties with other people, so she doesn't have anyone she can trust. There could be kids involved. She doesn't want to uproot her children. Um, her children are in a stable household. If she leaves, it's a possibility she may have to go into a shelter and displace her children, take, take her children out of the school district that they're in. So there are all kinds of factors. Fear is the greatest factor. Uh, The person has threatened harm. If you leave, I'll kill you. I'll kill the kids. I know where your parents stay. I know where your grandparents stay. If you leave, this is what I'm going to do. And because the person has acted on it, has uh, assaulted the person, they believe them. So they are fearful of their life. And another reason is love. They love that person, and they believe that they can change the person. And they also believe that the abuse is due to something that they have done, that it's their fault. And if they could just find a way not to keep making the same mistakes, this is what they rationalize in their own mind. Well, if I can just find a way to not make those same mistakes that cause this person to be mad at me, then he can, he'll love me. Um, I just have to find a way to um, do better. So there are all kinds of reasons why that person stays. And statistics says that uh, when a woman leaves a relationship, a violent relationship, normally she does return up to seven times. And the reason for that is lack of help on the outside. It's like, what do I do? Most of the times the shelters are full in the local area. So there may not be a place for her to stay. She may become homeless. And if she stays in the shelter, then let's say she's fortunate enough to be there for three months. After the three months, then what? Um, Shelters do assist to help find a more permanent home, but it doesn't always happen. So they return back. And plus you have this abuser, what we call, the honeymoon phase constantly warns a person if they know where they are, promising to do better. Oh, please forgive me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I love you. I'll never hurt you again. If you please come back. And so the woman, sometimes she feels guilty and her children are displaced and um, they're out there and she has no means of support. And so it's just more comfortable um, to go back as, what she knows is a familiar area. So um, you have all these reasons that come into effect. 
Wow, you have said a mouthful, and each point you made, we could probably sit down and talk another hour on every point that you made because exactly. it's so deep and so uh, there's so much breadth and depth to those um, those factors that make them stay. I do have to take a quick station identification break. So everyone, if you'll stay tuned, we're going to talk more about uh, domestic violence and ways that we can stop it. So please hang tight. We'll be right back. Sadly, today, most of us know at least one person that suffers from addiction or substance abuse. Addiction does not discriminate. No age, gender, race, or classes of people are immune to the horrors of addiction. This epidemic has ruined families, claimed lives, and left loved ones devastated. Over 100 people die from overdoses daily, and over 20 million Americans suffer from some form of addiction. For this reason, author Lloyd H. Bell Jr. has written the book Clean and Serene. The author is an addictions counselor and recovering addict of over 13 years. He knows and has first-hand experience of being caught in the grips of addiction. Clean and Serene provides experience, strength, and hope for the still-suffering addict. It can also be used as a tool in recovery. Whether it is used in a group setting or individually, this book was written to assist in the recovery process and encourage integrating inspirational, encouraging, and challenging scriptures the author has provided, a resource that is sure to change lives. If you or someone you know is battling with addiction, this book is for you. If you are in recovery, this is a great resource to add to your toolbox. If you are a group leader or addictions counselor, this is an awesome book for group therapy. Clean and serene. Scriptural Meditations for Recovery is available nationwide in both ebook and print. Get your copy or a copy for some you know today from Amazon or Barnes & Noble Bookstore. For less than $10, you can potentially change the life of someone currently paying the high cost of living with an addiction. Welcome to Irene Blog Talk Radio Show. Sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties right there. Um, probably was more of operator error than anything else. So um, please excuse that one uh, moment. But welcome back to the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show. Uh, my name is Minister Annie Bell, and of course, we're here every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Tonight, I have with me Ms. Deborah Coleman, who is a certified victims advocate. And so we're talking about the reasons why that people stay. And um, one of the things, uh, Ms. Coleman, that, that really stuck out to me is when the woman is a homemaker and so they may not have a job or a, a way of getting income after they leave. Right. And so isn't that also somewhat called a financial abuse? Well, financial abuse is more of the person the person controlling the finances. And I'll give you an example. I've had uh, victims whose husband would not even allow them to buy their own feminine products, wouldn't give them any money for personal hygiene. That person controlled all the money. They had no money. They didn't have a debit card, a credit card, a checking account. They had had zero access to the money, that's what is considered financial abuse, withholding money from that person, and the person can't make it. They can't do anything. They can't go anywhere. Um, anything they need, they have to go through someone else to get it. That's financial abuse. Okay. And would that fall under domestic violence or? Yes, financial abuse. Okay. Financial abuse is part of domestic violence as well as Emotional abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, that falls under the category of domestic violence as well. And when you say sexual abuse, basically you're saying that rape 
um, you can be raped even though you're you're uh, in holy matrimony, correct? Yes, you can. Uh, the laws have changed. Way back in the day, um, that was unheard of. If a woman was married, her husband could not rape her. That was not the law. But the laws have changed to support that no is no. And yes, your husband can rape you. If you say no, if you're forced to do things against your will, um, forced to have sex or he beats you or you're coerced, and to having sex that is considered rape and it is punishable by law. Amen to that. Um, yes. Goodness gracious, I can't even imagine, you know, what that type of uh, so-called sex would feel like with this man who says he loves me, but, you know, he won't even respect my desires and my timing. And um, so, you know, thank God for that law changing. And yes, else, they will return seven times. That is such an astronomical, astronomically high number in my in my eyes. Because number one, you know, me returning the first time after I got out, I you know, that's almost unfathomable, unfathomable, so much so that I can't even say the word. Um, but <laughs> I know what you're saying. <laughs> but to return seven, you know. Seven times, what makes them go back? I, I know you listed those factors that make them stay, but is it is it because majority because of the the lack of resources? The lack of resources is a big thing. That's probably number one, and it's not just by way of uh, county or government type resources. Um, sometimes they have no one. If you have a friend or a family member, loved one, someone who encourages you, who you can draw strength from, who you feel safe um, around and they uh, more than likely will protect you, you're more than likely to stay away from that relationship. You have someone there. You have a safety net. A lot of times these victims don't have that because you got to keep in mind that abuser has isolated them. He has forced them to sever ties and in some instances moved them out of a state where they know, you know, that they're familiar with a city. He's moved them to a completely different state. They know no one. So if they leave and, like I said, the shelter is full, then what? Do they sleep in their car? They don't want that life. They don't have anyone saying, hey, I'm here for you. Hey, I'll pray with you. Um, you can make it. So it makes it difficult for a person to um, stay away when they don't have anyone, when they don't have any means, when they're in an unfamiliar area and they have children and, you know, they're weary and they're tired. It just makes the situation difficult. And then, again, remember, you have the abuser. They love the person. They didn't stop loving the person because of the abuse. They truly love this person. So they believe that person when they say, hey, I'm going to change. Hey, I'm never going to hit you again. It was my fault. I love you. Here, I bought you this diamond necklace. Oh, I got you the car you wanted. Um, Please come back. So you have that combined with the fact that they love, love that person. And then add that they have no support out there, so it makes it really difficult for them to stay out there. And thank you for that. I, um, for those who get out and decide to go back, at least, at the very least, when you do go back, make sure that you're not perpetuating or you're not um, you're not giving yourself a way out for the next time so if it was the fact that you had no no resources somehow some way um, by hook or by crook try to save some money or uh, you know put, put some stash some money on the side learn of other organizations that are out there that can help while you are stepping out into um, your survival don't just go back being complacent and being the same in the same arena um, that you were in before because 
regardless, uh, and there's some statistics out there that, that says that, you know, a man uh, or a person who hits you once, um, if they say that they won't do it again, there are some that won't ever do it again. I, I, I actually interviewed a lady this month who, who, um, whose husband hit her one time and he, um, she left him and came back, but he never hit her again after they had discussed it. But for the majority, if he hits you once, he's going to hit you again. So uh, in between that time, you know, we're going to talk about um, safety plans and the exit plan and, um, I mean, escape plan. We're going to talk about that a little later. But I wanted to make sure I, you know, said that um, before I asked the next question. So let's quantify it. Um, what are the statistics centered around domestic violence? Well, some very astounding statistics. Statistics say every nine seconds in the United States, a woman is beaten or assaulted. They also say that every day in the United States, more than three women are murdered by their boyfriend um, or their husband. So that alone, that's uh, to me very astonishing, those statistics. Every nine seconds, uh, we've been on the line longer than that. So probably in the time frame that we have been on phone on this uh, air, uh, we can probably say about, what, 15, 20 or more women have been assaulted. So that's an alarming uh, statistic. Statistics also say that domestic violence is the leading cause of injury to women, more than car accidents, mugging, and rapes combined. No. Combined? Combined. I mean, if that doesn't your jaw absolutely drop to the ground and get stuck there for 15 seconds, I don't know what will. Um, if you're, I mean, if you're saying just one of those, but it's not, you're saying all three of those combined, however, the leading cause of injury to women, more than car accident, muggings and rapes combined. Come on, ladies, you know, and the other gents that are out there that are in abusive relationships, but for the ladies, this was, these are figures for ladies. These are figures for women. Um, these are figures for your daughter, your wife, I mean, your wife, uh, your mother, um, you know, these are, this is us. We're talking about women who are being pummeled to the ground, who are being disrespected, and I mean, just so much that they go through, um, and this is the leading cause of injury. And there are so many deaths, correct, with, um, in, in uh, domestic violence? Mm-hmm. Yes, those are just a few. Oh. And it, you know, I just sometimes want to, I just want to like shake some people to say, what's going on? You know, um, may, you know, what can we do to so that you would be more worried about your life um, and understanding that this happens to so many people and so many never make it out. Now you're going to leave your children, um, you know, without a mother. You could possibly leave them with the very person who was abusing you and they have no protection. Um, I was watching the, um, I think it was Dr. Phil and the father uh, the mother had left and the the children, mm-hmm. they had four of them. They just didn't know where their mother was. After 30 some odd years, they found her. But during that time as children, uh, the father um, was very abusive to them, very abusive to the oh, point wow. of sexual abuse to the girl, oh, no. the boy. And um, so they endured not a, not just the, his sexual abuse, but he also trafficked them. And oh, um, come to find out, the mother was abused as well. And he, she tried to take them with with her, but he, mm-hmm. in the course of her trying to call the police when he came, the because um, she had to go to the next door neighbor to call the police, he had taken the kids and left town. And had no idea oh, where they were. 
but it's just absolutely heartbreaking that possibly, you know, it could have been avoided. Uh, The mother tried to do the right thing by getting out and getting the kids out, but just in that split second. Um, I have to go for my second uh, uh, station identification break, so everyone, please stand by, and we'll be right back. Have you priced commercials lately? Advertising can truly break your budget. At Win, we eliminate the most common hurdle to advertising. Advertise with Win to reach potential customers locally, nationally, and internationally for as low as $150. Yes, that's right, $150 per commercial. We Inspire Network Radio is a new and rapidly growing online radio network that boasts of dynamic seasoned show hosts who are drawing audiences from across the nation and abroad. Africa, Australia, Scotland, Canada, just to name a few. We also have the technical capabilities to advertise your products and services through sound bites, slideshows, and more. No long-term contracts. You pay per show. Advertise on WIN, and you are sure to be a winner. For more information, call us, 201-477-0469. Email Annie Bell at wealthmanagement-fs.org. Hello, everybody. My name is Minister Annie Bell, and I am the host of Irene's Blog Talk Radio Show, where we endeavor to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas, as well as being the vehicle by which we use to bring awareness and resources to the community to aid in the prevention of these abuses. IRANE, which is a declarative acronym for the individual survivor, that means I. I identify myself as a survivor, no longer a victim. R. Reclaim my life. E. Excel at living. I. Illuminate the dark. G. Grow in Christ. And N. Nurture myself and others. This declarative acronym has developed into a victorious lifestyle brand that empowers and aids in the healing journey of our survivors of abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas. I have also written a book entitled with a namesake, I Reign, A Survivor's Guide to Thrive, which is now available at Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Pick up your copy today and join me every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. here on We Inspire Network Radio, where together, through God, we win. If we endure, we shall reign with Him. Welcome back to I Rain Blog Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. Yes, and like he said, I am your host, Minister Annie Bell. And if you're just joining us, you are you have joined into the I Rain Blog Talk Radio Show tonight. As we have been for the whole month of October, we have been talking about uh, domestic violence awareness and even prevention. And um, we I have with us today. Uh, Mrs. Deborah Coleman, who is a certified victim's advocate. And so we were just talking about, um, I mean, we were quantifying how many women actually uh, are abused. And um, her statistics was astounding, absolutely astounding. Uh, Welcome back to the studio, Mrs. Coleman. Thank you. Glad to be here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for staying with us. Um, can you walk us through, I mean, we're, you know, we talked about how many women are, um, you know, the, the, the actual statistics of how many women are being, are, are being abused. And, um, can you go walk us through the steps in creating a safety plan? And of course I have a second part to the question, and that is what is the difference between a safety plan and an escape plan? Okay, yes, I'll be glad to do that. Um, as a matter of fact, let me just clarify up front, 
um, the difference between the safety plan and the escape plan. It's not much of a difference. They are both the same thing, getting out of that relationship. But the escape plan is more instantaneously, more immediate. person is in the process of trying to do harm to you or you feel that he's going to kill you. The escape plan would be knowing which door you're going to go out of. If something happens, I need to get out of the house immediately. So I should be close to the living room. And you can pretty much tell if you've been in an abusive relationship, you pretty much know that person's moves, and you can pretty much kind of sense when something is about to jump off. But the escape plan is, okay, um, my car is already filled up with gas. It's pointing outward if you have your own vehicle. It's pointing that I have my keys. Um, if I have to flee right now to save my life, to save the life of my children, all I have to do is get out the front door. Or all I have to do is if I can make it to the bedroom, that door has a lock on it, I can lock it with my children inside and we can get out of the window. So that's more of the escape plan. Like I said, it's immediate, it's instantaneously. Um, the safety plan, there's some planning behind it. You know you want to leave. Um, as Minister Bell stated earlier, um, you're putting money aside, cash, um, because if you have a debit, if you do have a joint debit card or credit card or, uh, listed on the checking account and you try to leave, the abuser may uh, shut that card off or close the account because you can do all of this over the phone now or over mm-hmm. the computer. But Setting aside cash, if you do have access to it, if you're not a part of financial abuse and you do have access, he gives you cash and you go to the store, you may want to see if you can take some money without noticing and set it aside somewhere. And you actually want to get these things out of the house. This is where your trusted friend or your loved one or a church member or someone Um, This is where they come into play because as you are planning to get out of this relationship to leave, you have clothing for yourself, for your children, things that when you do get the opportunity to leave, you don't have to worry, did I forget something? So um, get an overnight bag or a little suitcase if your abuser won't miss it and pack clothes and toiletries for you and your children. You want to make sure you have things like your eyeglasses or prescription medicine, or you have your Social Security card, birth certificates, um, passport, things that you may not have a chance to get once you leave that home. You want to already have it in a bag stored somewhere along with the cash. If possible, maybe uh, copies of your kids' school records if you have to pull them out of that school. So that's what the safety plan is. And also I want to add, if you are in that situation and you feel like something is going to jump off, the kitchen is the last place you want to be because there are knives, there are weapons. So if you're in the kitchen and an argument is brewing or you feel um, it's going to be followed with a, a hit, whatever the case may be, try to ease out of the kitchen. That person is starting to argue. Just If you're cooking, just turn the stove off and try to walk out of the kitchen um, without causing any attention to yourself um, because that person is going to follow you, I'm sure, if they're arguing with you, but you don't want to be around any knives or any type of weapons. That's part of safety planning. Well, you know, I never thought about that, about the kitchen. Um, yeah. You know, trying to remove the yourself from the kitchen and and move the argument uh, away from there because of that um and you know i'm just sitting here thinking and because i was abused as a child and i was in a um sexually abusive uh situation as a child and i had always you know once i once i got out of it i was like i never want to be in a position like that again where I have no control so I went on the other side of um, my coping mechanism which was you know mm-hmm. you know a control freak <clears throat> and so oh, it's yeah. nothing for me to have a 
have had a, um, I call it the, um, my fire account, just in case there was a fire, um, <laughs> you know, that, uh, that I had and I, you know, whether he, and, and my husband never knew about it. And I had this going for many years. I'm, I've been married th- uh, 13 years now. Um, for probably about seven, eight years, I kept an account, uh, kept money aside for me and the kids and mm-hmm. had a backpack and, and, and stash. <laughs> and my husband wasn't even abusive. <laughs> but <laughs> that was because of my um, abuse in my past. And so, yeah. um, and, and then, of course, even watching some of these uh, movies like, like The Burning Bed, or Independence right. Day, <clears throat> where, um, you know, uh, when I saw these wives going through an abusive relationship, and I made plans in my own head, just in case, you know, and, um, and I'm not saying everybody has to live that way. I'm sure mine, right. you know, mine was a little bit over the top. Uh, but, uh, you know, I am just saying to you all, anyone, or if you know someone who is in a relationship that is abusive, help them make this safety plan. If you have a dog um, that you want to take with you, you need to consider how you're going to take the dog um, with you. Because I know, I mean, especially for children, you you want to keep as many things normal as possible in their lives. And if, uh, you know, animals are a big part of their lives and you want to um, take that, the animal. Um, and who knows, the abuser might abuse the, the dog because it, the dog reminds him of you or whatever. So you want to get that uh, life out of there as well. Um, and another point that I wanted to make was if, you are looking for, especially on your phone or the computer, if you're looking for places and organizations for support, make sure you erase the cookies, erase your path, because uh, the abuser, if they find it, one, they could confront you, or two, they could use it as part of their tool to find you. So, um, there is an app, and I'm going to load that app back on to Irene's uh, Facebook page if you want to go uh, go back on there later this evening. And it, it's an app that is a decoy. So you could be, it could, I believe it's something about shopping. And um, so it looks like a like an online shopping thing, but really it's a decoy That's to get true. help. Um, so I'll that put that back true. on there for those who may not uh, have not heard about it. Um, you know, I want to go into this clergy uh, and the church, uh, how they should counsel and not counsel couples in a um, domestic violence relationship. Um, can you shed some light on that? Um, I certainly will. And before I go into uh, the clergy, if I can backtrack just for a moment. Um, you had mentioned about getting your pets out of the house with you, and it lit my mind, so I'm glad you mentioned that. There, in terms of resources, there is actually an agency in Atlanta. It's called a Ahimsa House, A-H-I-M-S-A. I don't have their number, but you can Google it. They are based out of Atlanta, but you don't have to be in Atlanta. They can help you in any city or any county, but they actually provide um, shelter for your animal and for your pet. And it could be a horse, your animal could be a pig, your animal could be a goat, it could be a cat, it could be a dog, it can be a snake, um, any pet that you have and you have to leave because of domestic violence. If you get in contact with a Hemsa house, they can make arrangements through the local veterinarian in your city, in your locality, uh, make arrangements to temporarily shelter that animal until you can find another resident. So wow. I would be missed if I didn't mention that. Wow. Thank you so much. I am actually, I yeah. think I found it. I will um, put that on our Facebook page as well. And um, so that you can, you know, you have another resource or a resource for your friend or somebody that you know. Thank you for that. Right. And those 
services are free. And you had mentioned about uh, how the church or clergy should counsel couples in a domestic violence relationship. And if there are any members of the clergy out there, um, I would like to say and reiterate, please, first of all, do not tell the woman she has to stay in that abusive relationship because of her religious values. That's not what God would want. I know you don't have to tell them about divorce. That should be a personal choice. But every clergy out there, if you do have a church member that's going through domestic violence and the person is physically abusive or abusive in other ways, please encourage that person to seek help and not encourage them to stay in that relationship. Um, Sometimes it ends in death. So we don't want to put anyone's life in danger or at risk because they were told, because pretty much everyone, if they are uh, really rooted in their church, they're going to listen to their pastor. So the pastor can make or break that person. So we would just like to encourage you, when I say we, advocates everywhere, would like to encourage clergy to please um, not advise them to stay and say, well, you married that person for better or worse or um, a sickness and a health, because one thing has nothing to do with the other. And in terms of counseling um, that couple, please, if they come to you for counseling, meaning the husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever the relationship is, we advise that you not counsel them together because the victim is going to be intimidated or afraid with the abuser sitting right there in the room next to them. They're not going to be free um, to really express themselves. So if you do counsel a couple going through domestic violence, it's best that you separate them. Um, Someone can take the man and counsel him. Someone can take the woman, and it'd be uh, best advised that you not even bring them there on the same day. Maybe you can do the woman one day and the man another day, but please, and again, I reiterate, do not counsel them together and do not tell the victim that it's, uh, her re, her obligation or his obligation, because sometimes men are victims, as we mentioned, um, to stay in that relationship. Please uh, tell them to get help and please assist that person in getting help and getting out of that relationship to safety. And that sounds like a no-brainer to me, but I guess, you know, I guess it's not, uh, you know, someone says common sense is not common, um, but right. you would think that... <laughs> In a relationship like that where there is an intimidator, there is a person who is abusive, why would you counsel them together? Um, I mean, it it just makes zero sense to me. And I believe that, um, like you said, it is very important that as clergy, as church, that we don't make it a religious obligation to stay with the person who is beating the Pope out of us. Okay. That's right. Um, as TD Jake says, I mean, there are people who get slapped under the doggone refrigerator and they have to fix themselves up, get their wig back on straight and, and mm-hmm. strut into, um, into, into church as if nothing has happened. Right. And uh, we, we don't have the time for that. We are losing lives. How many people right. are living are in the grave who could have been the um, one that brought cure to cancer, you know, cure to all these diseases that are out here, you know, is the catalyst for racial equality. You just don't know. The person that is being to a pulp, they may have a a kingdom agenda that God has set them on. And so every life is so very, very important Um, and not to be, you know, stifled out. I know we only have a few more minutes. Gosh, I, you know, I, our our um our shows get so juicy that sometimes I I, <laughs> I should well, I should do a ninety minute show. But anyway, um, can you give us an example of your worst case of domestic violence that ended up um, that you have had, but that and how it ended? Okay, um, we did have a client that or a victim 
or I should say I had a victim that was in an abusive relationship, a domestic violence relationship, and there was physical abuse. And the last encounter was the abuser um, putting on body armor. Um, This person had several guns, and so they decided that they were going to kill the victim. So they put on body armor and were prepared for the police to come and said, if the police come, we're all going down in a blaze of gunfire. And so it was very scary because that person, of course, feared for for their lives. They that person, the woman, was able to get out of the house. I don't recall exactly how she did it, but she was able to get out and get help and get the police, and that case did end in prosecution. Thank God for that, prosecution mm-hmm. of the defendant, of the abuser. But mm-hmm. uh, I believe had she not gotten out of that house that night that he was going to kill her. He had planned on uh, killing, shooting any police that arrived. Her, it was basically going to be a murder suicide. Wow. And, you know, you, with what that, what you just said, I could see just about every race and ethnic background. And I say this because it is not isolated to black, white, upper class, middle class, That's low right. class, DV, domestic violence. Spans, just like sexual abuse and um, sex trafficking, it spans all demographics. So don't put yourself in a situation or in a mindset that, hey, um, my situation is not domestic violence because I'm white or because I'm affluent or because I'm black and I'm middle class. It doesn't matter. Um, Non-discriminatory. That's right. And thank you for sharing that because it also gives hope and one of the things that we definitely want to give at the end of our each show is there's hope. There's hope in every yeah. situation. Um, and yeah. so there is hope in that, in that situation that you just mentioned. And, um, you know, so that's great. Now, the sad thing is, even with our tweens and our teens, in, in they're in their little, I'm going together, I'm going together, I'm going with this guy or going with this girl, their relationships, boyfriend and girlfriend relationships, they are, um, they are abused, some of them. That's true. Um, can you yes. uh, shed some light and maybe even um, bring some other cues? I know that some of it already is the same as uh, signs for adults that goes with, the, with any relationship, but if you can bring, uh, shed some light on that. Okay, let me give you a few statistics. Statistics show one in three teens experience dating violence, and also 80% of teen girls who have been physically abused continue to date that person. Statistics also say that nearly one in five teenage girls who have been in a relationship said a boyfriend threatened violence or self-harm if presented with a breakup. So teens deal with pretty much what adults deal with. And if adults have a hard time dealing with it, you can imagine um, the type of stress that it puts on a teen. Um, Some of the symptoms for teens who are in abusive relationships along with adults, um, they deal with depression and anxiety. Um, Sometimes it leads them to alcohol and drug use, Um, just trying to self-medicate, also withdrawal antisocial behavior. So teens, um, they pretty much deal with domestic violence too, but it's called teen dating violence, and they deal with it as well. So it's prevalent in the United States. And if I can just mention, children imitate what they see. So sometimes you have children who grow up in abusive homes and they Mm -hmm. witness mommy or daddy or grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whoever, they see this and that becomes their norm. Well, my dad pushed my mom around and she stayed with him. Or I saw uh, uncle push auntie, he slapped her and they stayed together. So that sometimes becomes that child's norm. And they Mm -hmm. don't know that that's an unhealthy relationship. That's all they know because that's all they have seen growing up. That's right. And so, we're, you know, another reason why, if you're in a domestically violent relationship, that leaving is a good idea because you, you're perpetuating it inadvertently. You're not trying to, 
that's not what your intentions are, but your children, whether it's a daughter, they can either even think that this is how men who say they love them act, or boys, they'll grow up thinking that if you love your wife, you slap them around, you know, um, exactly. and I'm going to tell you one other thing, while you, whoever it is, while you're abusing your spouse and they are missing a tooth or um, their bridge of their nose have collapsed and you know, you are physically um, making that person almost deforming their look. And, you know, so yeah. what does it say about you that do you like looking upon your wife, your spouse, um, you know, mutilated? You know, yeah. what really, what really, I, I don't understand that. So um, yeah. that that's to the abuser, not not, not to anyone else. But um, yeah. now, tell me, some, you know, you were at the at the end of our show, and I wanted to know what are some of your your future endeavors. Well, I plan on staying in the field of victim services. I believe I was called to do that. I believe that's my calling, my gift that God has placed in me. So um, as long as I'm alive, I plan on advocating for those who are the weaker, for those who are less fortunate, for those who don't know what to do. Um, It's my goal to reach as many as I can, to educate, and to help. So my future endeavors are to just continue what I'm doing now. Amen, because you are so needed. Um, You and we need a million other yous, um, uh, you know, to help. <laughs> and, um, you know, for you guys who want to maybe uh, get in touch with Mrs. Coleman, get some ideas, uh, even I believe like organ- organizationally, if you're looking to try to put together a um, transitional home or a rescue home or something, I'm sure that she can give you really a lot of information or help you, you know, get you in the right way, make sure you have the right services in place. Um, Feel free to email me at irain2015 at gmail.com. That's irain2015 at gmail.com. And don't forget to spell out I-R-E-I-G-N-2015. Thank you so much, Mrs. Coleman, for um, coming on here and, and sharing me. your wisdom. You're welcome. And um, keep doing what you're doing because you are needed and you are much, um, you know, so much desired uh, in, in this field of advocacy because we need those who actually really care about people. So thank you so much for being on my show. Thank you. And thank you for what you do to getting the word out. You're helping as well. God bless you. God bless you, too. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to uh, towards the end of the night. I wanted to make sure I share some information. Um, if you think that someone is being uh, abused uh, domestically, uh, call them one eight. Uh, I'm not call them. Call one eight hundred seven eight seven three two two four to get help. That's also, same thing for those who are in a violent relationship. Call that number. There is help. Also. If um, there is child abuse that you witness or or think you're in or think somebody else is in, call 1-800-4-A-CHILD. That's 1-800-422-4453. Get some help. Do not suffer this alone. Now we are at um, our, our wisdom to reign. Having fear is not the same thing as lacking courage. Sometimes we have to do things while scared, but um, you have the courage to actually do it. So again, having fear is not the same as lacking courage. To make a donation or get in touch with me or my team, please go to www.wealthmngt.org. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IRAIN, Stop Abuse and Abolish Sex Trafficking. Also, go to our YouTube page so you can listen to this show and any other shows that have been archived. Um, as many times as you like. Become a subscriber so that you don't miss a beat. Repeat after me. I reclaim my life. I excel at living. 
I illuminate the dark, I grow in Christ, and I nurture myself and others. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Let's reign together with Christ. See you next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Good night. Yeah.